celebrated by uh, a lot of Christians as we celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. I remember the meaning of Christmas when I was a kid, uh, when I was a child growing up. Uh, and a lot of you know, who have lis- been listening to my podcast, that we grew up very poor. We didn't afford a lot of things. So Christmas for us was a time when we had a lot of things that we didn't normally have. Like, for example, we couldn't afford to buy new clothes. And there was only one time in the year where my parents bought us new clothes. And that was the Christmas time. And these were normally referred to as Christmas clothes. So... We would get this clothes sometime towards the end of November. And our parents would not show us these clothes. They would keep them hidden. So it would be sort of like a hidden secret. Like we would know that we, we have the Christmas clothes are here. But we wouldn't really know what exactly our parents bought us. So there was a lot of anticipation and a lot of expectation and a lot of guessing. And you had to be nice, you had to be obedient, you had to be listening. Otherwise, there was a general feeling that you were not going to receive your Christmas clothes. And these clothes will only be worn on Christmas Day. So we'd wear our new clothes, go around the neighborhood showing off. It would be like a fashion show, a fashion parade, where kids would be showing off their Christmas clothes. But for us, these new clothes were this was the only time that would get new clothes so i ordinarily associated the christmas season with something new a joyous time a joyous moment a time for us to celebrate a time for us to be happy a time for us to have the things that we would not normally have even in terms of food, uh, we didn't afford much food, so we ate typically the same thing every day. But on Christmas, it was time to eat differently. So we normally ate rice and chicken and put some ketchup on it because that was a delicacy because we couldn't afford meat. And back then, where I grew up, rice was for people who had a little bit of money. So on Christmas, we anticipated, we waited for Christmas. We would count down because we knew that was the day that we were going to eat rice and chicken and have ketchup. Even today, I usually make a joke and say, I'm grown, I'm an adult, Uh, God has blessed me. 
but Christmas is not Christmas until I eat <laughs> rice and chicken even today. What does it mean for a lot of people today? The hustle and the bust of Christmas shopping in the present day, if you go to the shopping malls, very busy. I was at the mall the other day, just last week. Just getting into the mall, driving to the mall, was a very difficult thing to do because of the traffic, people shopping, people buying, walking through the malls, a lot of activities, people standing in queues to buy their kids' favorite toy, to buy a present for the spouse, to buy something, uh, Christmas shopping. There's a lot of spending that goes on, a lot of gift buying, very good things and exchanging gifts, people spending time with family, a lot of consumerism. Uh, for a lot of people, Christmas is the time when they visit their families that they have not seen throughout the whole year or that they have not spent time with. So people get to connect again. Relationships get to be re-established. Uh, people get to, to meet their own people. People get to be happy. Some people get to have time off of work to spend time with family. Positive things happen. Negative things happen again during the time of Christmas. This is the time when a lot of road accidents happen. People die. People perish. People lose their loved ones uh, to, to road accidents and deaths caused by different other things. A lot of people get into drugs and alcohol because for a lot of people, this is time to spend on alcohol, to spend in gluttony and, and debauchery and parties and uh, spending money that they don't have. A lot of people get into debt. Families get torn apart and broken. Fathers are not coming home, spending time with other women. Mothers are doing their own things. And there's a lot of stress that is related to the Christmas time again. So though it is a time for joy and rejoicing and and, and, and being happy for some people, for some families, in some sectors of the world, it is a sad, sad, depressing time. The same time, Christmas time. In one part of the world, in one family, in another part of the city, people are joyous. There's celebrations, there's lights, there's Christmas lights, there's Christmas celebrations, there's jubilation and joy. People are spending money and giving gifts. Another part of the world, it's a reminder of sadness and how depressing things can be, how sad things can be. People are losing their family members. People are afraid what is going to happen to them during this time. Mothers are worried if sons are going to remember them. Very anxious time very anxious moments. Some people take this time to actually reinforce evil traditions and rituals that deny the existence of God, that deny the existence of Christ. I see a complete deviation of what the Bible actually testifies Christmas means to a Christian, to a believer.
People take this time to deny the existence of God, to deny the existence of Christ and go about in activities that are sinful and activities that are idolatrous, activities that deny God. But what does Christmas actually mean? What does Christmas actually mean both to a Christian and to a non-Christian? God, the all-glorious, mighty creator, was born of a woman, the, the only begotten of God, the only begotten son of God, the firstborn of all creation. God himself was born into the earth during this time. The Bible tells us uh, in the book of John that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God and uh, the Word was present in all creation. Nothing was made outside of him. And then the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God himself, the glorious, mighty, eternal God, through the event of Christmas, through the season of Christmas, through the season of the birth of Jesus Christ, God comes and dwells among his people. God himself, the mighty king, the mighty creator, the Lord of all, stoops down from his glory, stoops down from his uh, heavens and is born of a woman as a little boy comes to dwells among his people, makes a dwelling place among his people. For the first time in all eternity, God is born of a woman. God comes down on earth as a little boy. This is why we have the season of Christmas. There's a lot of controversy on uh, whether Jesus Christ was actually born on the 25th of December. This is something that we do as Christians, just as a reminder. We're not exactly saying Jesus was born on the 25th of December, but we have to be reminded that God in his uh, infinite nature, that God in his omnipotence, in his omnipresence, God in his grace, God is in his majesty, God in his splendor, left everything in his heavens, and made himself a little boy, a vulnerable little boy born in a manger, a vulnerable little boy carried by a woman, a vulnerable little boy at the mercy of humans to be taken care of by human parents, by flesh and blood. God in his greatness, in his omnipotence in his omnipresence, mighty created God, God himself came down on earth to be born of a woman, to be born the natural way. Why did this, why did this happen? Why is God doing this? What is the purpose of all of this? We get our answer as we read in Luke chapter 2, verse 8 to 14. And I want to read with you uh, today. The Bible says, Now they were in the same country, shepherds living out of the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. 
And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. This scripture shows us in a few verses, the scripture is pregnant with the meaning of Christmas, the meaning of the season, the meaning of the time. The angel appears to shepherds to announce this great thing, to announce this shift in time, to announce this shift in moments. Let me give you a perspective here. Because we cannot really understand what is happening here. We cannot really understand the announcement. We cannot really understand why the shepherds were afraid unless we understand a little bit of history. Because a lot of times we, when we celebrate Christmas, we look at, at, at our present day and we look at what is happening with the shopping and the hustle and the bust and the time-offs and the drinking and the, and the joy and the gladness and the happiness. We don't realize how similar the socio-political environment was back then, 2,000 years ago, as it was today. So let me give you a, a brief background of what is happening. And actually explaining why these shepherds were afraid. And actually, actually explaining why the angel appeared to shepherds. So this is in a time, in the time of... Judea and uh, Galilee, where the Jews are being ruled by the Romans. And I want to just explain this so that we can see how similar the socio-political environment is with the present day. Because a lot of times we think that the birth of Jesus Christ was in an entirely different environment. But let me show you a little bit of similarities here. So as the New Testament opens, we see that the Jews are under Roman reign. They are under Roman rule. And Caesar has installed a descendant of Esau to be ruler over uh, Judea. And uh, that, that, uh, that, that ruler is in turn appointed kings on Galilee and Judea. And we, we see, we read, the story of Herod, who was one of the rulers, Herod the Great. He was a descendant of Esau. So already we see that there's something wrong going on here. The people that are ruling Judea and Galilee are not even the descendants of Jacob. They're the descendants of Esau. And the Bible has already told us in Genesis that this is not supposed to be so. 
And we see that the state of the church, that the priesthood is politically motivated. So the priesthood is actually passed from the lineage of Aaron into politics. And we see two great schools of thought emanating in this scenario, in this situation. So we have liberal ideology, mainly propagated by the Sadducees, which are favoring the liberal attitudes and the practices of the Greeks on one hand. And then on the other hand, we have conservative ideology, which is actually propagated and and, uh, supported by the Pharisees, which are believing that the nation should be governed through the laws of God, but they're not doing it for God. It's it's not for the praise and the glory of God, but it's for the loading, loading and making it difficult for people. And the Sadducees with the liberal ideology, they believe in the existence of God. They believe in the existence of, of, the, of the Bible and the word of God. But only as far as religion is concerned, and they don't think that God should play any part in the governing of the nation and in the morality of the nation. So this is it. Christ is born at a particular time when God is actually removed from the morality of a nation. God is removed from, from there's, there's, a, there's a political ideology, there's a religious and political ideology that believes that God should be far removed from the governing of a nation from the rulership of a nation, like God should be separated, should be removed from our schools. (laughs) See the similarity here. God should be removed from the family unit. God should be removed from how we raise our families. God should be removed from sexuality. God should be removed from, 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 from our schools. We cannot do the Lord's Prayer in school anymore. God cannot be taught in school anymore. God should be removed from our college. God should be removed from our governments and the governmental system. So we're at this period where God is silent, the 400 years of the silence of God. Where this period where God is proclaimed through the religious conservatism with the Pharisees who are conservative zealots with the help of the scribes they've uh, developed religious laws and a set of morality that is not actually biblical they govern social activity they govern political activity with religious laws pretend like they they, 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 they have concern and care for people, but it is meaningless before God. It is about men. See how similar it is. So Christmas today, as we experience Christmas today, we have the same fears. We have the same anxieties. We have the same depressions. We have the same social culture that was there 2,000 years ago. Nothing is different. And this is when the angels come and make this announcement. And this announcement is essentially about three things. Number one, do not be afraid. When these shepherds, 
the birth of a, of the great shepherd, the birth of the great I am, the birth of the master shepherd who is not a hireling, whose sheep know his voice, the great shepherd, the announcement of the birth of a great shepherd who leaves the 99 and seeks after the one when it is announced, when they see the glory of God, they are afraid because they know that God has been silent. They know that the po- political and social culture is not for God, but against God. So when they see angels and they see the glory of God, they are afraid. But the angel immediately comes and puts them at ease and says, be not, be not, do not be afraid. Right now today, how many of you are afraid of seeing your family? How many of you are afraid of being with your family? How many of you are afraid of Christmas? Christmas to some of you is a time of fear, time to be afraid to meet members of your family. You're afraid because you don't have money to buy gifts. You don't have enough to take care of your family. You're afraid of their sin. These, it reminds me of when Isaiah says in the day, in, 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 in the year that Hosea died, I saw God. And he says, when he saw God, he was so afraid because of his sin. He was he says, woo to me, a man of sin. So when these angels, they, they, when these shepherds, they know the sin of the nation. They know the sin of the culture. They know the sin of their generation. And they see an angel. And they see the glory of God. And their response is fear. We are not worthy to stand before the glory of God. They were not worthy. They saw themselves. They saw the glory of God and they were not worthy because of their sinful nature. Because they were so full of sin. They knew that they were living in a generation full of sin that does not deserve a visitation from a glorious God. It had been time before there was a visitation of God. For for 400 years, Israel had not seen a visitation of God. And here they are, these shepherds going about their business and they receive a visitation of God. The glory of God descends upon them and they see the glory of God with their eyes. A lot of us in the present day, we perceive the glory of God. We, we, we sense the glory of God as we read scripture, as we worship, as we sing psalms and, and, and hymns. But they saw the presence of God. They saw the glory of God coming before them. And their response was fear. They were afraid. And rightly so, because they were unworthy men living in an unworthy generation. Christmas comes to us today in the present age where we are living in an unworthy generation where sinful men, sinful women living in an unworthy generation, we are starved of the glory and the presence of God. How many of you look at Christmas today and think about the glory and the presence of God and think about a visitation of God? Christmas happened to Israel 2000 more than 2,000 years ago, a savior was born in Bethlehem. A savior was announced, but Israel did not realize that the glory of God had visited them. 
They made it about the mangers. They made it about whatever they made it about that time. Just like today, we make it about purchases. We make it about commercialism. We make it about gifts. We make it about good food. But we do not realize, we do not think about the glory of God. We do not think we miss the visitation of God. I want you to ask yourself today, this Christmas, are you going to permit God to visit you? Are you going to allow God to visit you? Are you going to think about the visitation of God? Are you going to think about the glory of God descending upon you, descending upon your family? I want to look at families that are going to gather at dinner tables this Christmas and pray and ask for the glory of God to fill their houses, to fill their homes, to fill their hearts. We are living in a generation that needs a visitation of God, that needs a visitation of God, that needs the glorious presence of God to fill our hearts, to fill our nations and announce that Christ the Savior is born, that Christ the Savior is present, that Christ the Savior is here, that the baby Jesus, the glorious God, full of the presence of God is here. We are living in the generation of Ichabod, where the glory has departed, the glory of God has departed. The subject of the glory of God is not handled with the delicacy and the importance, the importance that it is supposed to be handled with. God has departed our hearts. God has departed our churches. God has departed our families. God has departed our Bible studies. God has depa- We have mega churches and mega buildings. We have all the production. And if you go to our churches on Christmas Eve, there's major Christmas productions. Churches are full, but the pulpits are void of the glory and the presence of God. God himself is not in Christmas. We have taken Christ out of Christmas even as Christians. But here we see the glory of God descending. Immediately Christ is born. The glory of God is made present. This is a time of glory. This is a time of the presence of God. And I am calling upon Christians to go back to seeking the glorification and the praise of God during this season, during this time of Christmas. Is our gift giving to the glory of Christ? Are our family gatherings to the glory of Christ? Our Christmas Eve services to the glory of Christ? How many of us sit and think that the activities that I'm doing, are they, even in Christmas season, are they bringing glory to Christ? This is my Christmas message today for the glorification of Christ. This is a time that we should go back to seeking the glory of God, the glorification of Christ, the glorification of God. The second thing that the angel pronounces, it is the good news, the good tidings concerning the birth of a new king. The angel says, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. The good tidings, the gospel, 
the good news. So Christmas time, as we reflect and celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, means the declaration of the gospel, means going back to the gospel. One of the first pronouncements when Christ is born is a declaration of good tidings. This is very significant to a nation that was under Roman rule. Christ, the new king, is born. The good news that we are now in a new season of redemption. We are now in a new season where Christ, the redeemer of our souls, is born. The birth of Jesus Christ was the birth of a new covenant, the beginning of a new covenant, the beginning of a new testament. The beginning of a season where God, through his grace, is made manifest to men for the forgiveness of the sins of men through faith in Christ Jesus and to the reconciliation of men back to God. There was a great divide between God and men. A great separation because of our sin. A great separation because of our condition of total depravity and total death and radical corruption. Israel had even moved away from the priesthood of the lineage of Aaron and the priesthood was now politically motivated. So there was no access to God. At some point during the 400 years of of silence, of God's silence, the temple had actually been desecrated about three times by the conquerors of Israel. The Holy of Holies had actually been desecrated. So at this particular moment at this particular time when the birth of Christ is pronounced, there's no communion between God and man. But the good news is announced. The gospel is announced. A lot of us today, we are in that position of radical corruption, of death in our souls, separation from God where we are far away from God, we are removed from God because of our sin. But Christ, the Savior, is born. Christ, the King, is born. A new covenant is born. A covenant of regulations and rules and laws that prevented access to God is over. And God is beginning to dwell among His people. God is beginning to dwell among his people in a new way. God is beginning a relationship with his people in a new way. This Christmas, let it be the beginning of a new relationship with God. Make a resolution, make a point to have a new relationship with God. May a new relationship between you and God be birthed. If you're not a Christian today, and you're listening to me speaking. You are the reason for the season. You are the reason why Christ was born as man. So that God could reach out to you. And bring you salvation for his glory.
The reason for the season is pronouncement of the gospel. The reason for the season is pronouncement for the good news that God, through the work of Christ, his only begotten son, is reaching out to the world and saying, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting love. He says, the angel says here that the great, the good tidings of great joy will be to all people. There is access for you, my friend. You who does not believe in God, you who does not believe in Christ, the birth of Jesus Christ signifies that you can have access to God through Christ. We celebrate this season to make a declaration that a new covenant has begun where people like you and I can receive the saving grace of God in His infinite mercy, in His goodness and greatness. We can receive the good news that we can receive God and a fellowship with God, that a covenant of access, that a covenant of grace has been opened to us. Oh, what a Redeemer, Christ our Savior is born. He has ransomed us from our sin. He has come to ransom us, to pay the price. He has come to pay the price. One who was born without sin. One who was conceived of the Holy Ghost. Has come to save us from our sin. Has come to save us from this darkness of separation from God. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a King. What a Lord. What a merciful God to give us his only son, to give us his only begotten son, to die for us, to die for our sins, to redeem us from the sin that so entangled us. Oh, what a joy to go through this season knowing the good news of the gospel. Oh, what a great joy to look, to meditate upon that babe, Christ Jesus. And know that this is our King, the King of eternal glory unto our salvation. If you're a Christian today, just have joy in this is a season of joy. This is a season of celebration. The work that Christ has done for us. And I want to make a call to the church. Today in this message, we see there's a lot of Christmas services that happen, but Christ, the gospel has been taken away from those services. What an opportunity for the church to preach the gospel. A lot of people, they they only come to church twice a year, Easter and Christmas. But a lot of churches, we are missing the opportunity because we are not preaching the gospel during this. What an opportunity, what a great opportunity to go back to the gospel and preach the gospel As people are, people's hearts are soft enough to be receptive of the gospel if we can preach it. The third announcement that the angel makes 
to the shepherds at this particular time. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Oh, what a declaration. What a marvelous declaration of Christ's saving grace. A Savior is born this Christmas. Remember that a Savior is born. One who can redeem us from the burden of our sin. One who can save us from the punishment of our sin. One who carried the, who was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. One who cared, oh, our Savior. What a pronouncement, what an announcement. Christ the Savior is born. What a pronouncement of Christ's saving grace. This is a season to reflect upon the saving grace of Christ. This is a season to reflect upon the great saving work of Christ. Matthew alludes to that fact in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. When Joseph is contemplating what he should do with Mary, his virgin betrothed has just announced to him that she's pregnant and this man has not known her. And is contemplating what to do. An angel appears to him and says these words. And he says, and she will be, she will bring forth a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Oh, what an announcement. What a great message of joy. And this is the Christmas message right here. Christ born to save us from our sins. This season is not about Santa and reindeer. This season is not about snowflakes and Christmas lights. This season is not about gifts and mangers. This season is not about Virgin Mary statues and Joseph. This season is about Christ, our Savior, who came to save us from all sin. Who came to save all of us from sin. This season is about Christ the King who came to redeem us. This season is about Christ the King who came to reconcile us with God. And I want to challenge you as you reflect upon these things that this Christmas will be different for you. God bless you. This is Devon of Gospel Truth Life Exposition. Uh, I just want to do this short message for all my listeners out there. As a lot of you know, here at Gospel Truth Life Exposition, we do not take any offering and we do not take any gifts. God has blessed us and he has given us enough resources that we are able to produce this podcast without 
the need for any support uh, and I mean financial support. I thank God and I glorify God that he has blessed us and given us such resources. This podcast is not a financial burden for us to produce. I want to make an appeal, however, uh, even though we don't collect an offering, even though we don't collect any gifts. I recently traveled to Zimbabwe where I had the opportunity to meet some pastor friends of mine uh, out there in Harare, Zimbabwe. Uh, Three pastors in particular that I had the opportunity to interact with. These are people that I see that are very zealous for the Lord and they serve the Lord with all their hearts and they are preaching the gospel. As you know, here at Gospel Truth Life Exposition, we're gospel focused. So it gives me great joy when I meet people that are gospel-focused and that are preaching the gospel. Because it is very rare in a lot of places to see people that are actually still uh, preaching the gospel. So my heart goes out to these men of God that are serving in Zimbabwe. Um, I just want to give you a small perspective in Zimbabwe different from the United States of America, the pastors are not paid in many cases. Uh, In the cases that the pastors are paid, they are paid last after all the expenses of the church. So my appeal is, I feel God moving me, God saying we should support some of these pastors. So I want to raise support for these pastors Uh, financial support actually Um, one of them and I'm not going to mention the names one of them actually came to me and said he's struggling to actually two of them is they are struggling to raise their families they are struggling to provide their families because especially in the pandemic the economy of Zimbabwe was shut down a lot of times so the churches don't really have enough enough to support their pastors. So these pastors are struggling to pay school fees for their children. They are struggling to pay rent and so forth and so on. And I I just want to appeal to my listeners and raise financial support for these pastors. And I'm asking you for a generous donation. As you think about your giving in the coming year, and I want this to be consistent and to continue, uh, this is not a one once off commitment, but I want us to commit to these pastors on a monthly basis. $200 in Zimbabwe can go a very long way. So I'm asking and appealing to my listeners, these three pastors that I have identified, if I can get a support of $200 for each of them per month, that would go a great way to help them. It's not a lot but it is enough. But if you're being moved to give more, that will be fine. So if you want to give anything that you want to give, I'm not going to say amounts, but I want to be able to support these pastors, each of these pastors with $200 a month. So I'm looking at $600 a month. This is just a small contribution and it will go straight to these pastors. 
and I want to I want you to encourage you and think about Philippians chapter four from verse ten as you think about these things where Paul is rejoicing and is actually saying the ministry is flourishing and he's content. These pastors they are content. They're not complaining. They're content in preaching the gospel. They are happy to preach the gospel and continue to be unpaid. But I looked at them and I looked at their situations. I visited their churches. I went into their homes. I spent time talking to them and I realized they have need. And I just want to tell you something. These pastors, they they didn't ask me for money. They didn't ask me to do this thing that I'm doing right now. They never, all the time that I spent with them, they invited me to their churches. I preached at their churches when I was in Zimbabwe. But they never asked for a cent. They never asked for money. A lot of times when somebody comes, is, is coming from the United States of America into Africa, some people try to take advantage and want to ask for money. But these men of God, they never asked for money. So this is a thing that is coming out of my heart that I'm asking you to do. Please uh, get in touch with us and find out how you can support the ministry of these men. And I pray that God would bless you and God will, reach you, will richly reward you. So get in touch with us and let us know and we can support these pastors. God bless you.